Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Scripture today is John chapter 14, verses 15 through 27. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Recently, the church around the world celebrated Pentecost Sunday. This is the day when we especially praise God for the tremendous gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the day when we commemorate the fulfillment of all of salvation history. It's also the birthday of the church as the presence among us of the Holy Spirit who gives us new life in Christ, who gives us grace and knowledge of God, who gives us adoption as spiritual sons, and who gives us entrance into a life of holiness. With the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples in Acts chapter 2, 
God's work of redemption is complete. The Spirit comes to give spiritual gifts to men, that's 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, and to live the Christ life through us. It's now up to us to appropriate these gifts to be that which we are called to become in Christ, to live as participants and citizens of his kingdom. So how do we do this? How do we appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Our gospel passage in John chapter 14 points the way. There are three ideas in this passage. Christ's commandments are Christ himself. Love is the foundation of obedience. And obedience means an increase in God's presence and peace. Jesus is not speaking only to the disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem. He is speaking to all generations and to all people until the end of time. He speaks with the authority God used when he gave the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. He assumes his right to impose his will on every human being, and he assumes that his will is the all-sufficient guide for human conduct. What are the commandments of Jesus? They are all the words which he spoke, but they are also the life he lived. Christ's commandments are Christ himself. Jesus is not a moralist who says, do this or do that, but copy me. Follow me and take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Jesus' commandments are himself, his perfect character, his loving, joyful submission to his heavenly Father. When we see Jesus' commandments as Christ himself, our perspective changes. We look at the law of the gospel as embodied in our living Lord, and we want to obey him. Everything that was hard and far off and difficult in the Old Testament law vanishes. Instead of tables of stone, we have fleshly tables of the heart. Instead of dutiful obligation, we have freedom in the Holy Spirit to keep and do the law. The law stands before us as a wonderful being, the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, to be loved, to be clung to, to be trusted and cherished. What we once thought of as duty becomes changed into the attraction of a living, loving Savior. The beautiful, pure, and holy life of Jesus is enough in the midst of all the conflicts and perplexities of life. We must simply listen to and obey the voice that says, Keep my commandments. The second thought in our passage is that love is the foundation of obedience, and obedience flows from love. Obedience has often been misunderstood for many associate submission as a sort of enslavement. For many, obedience is a relic of the past when people had to bow down before kings. But this is to misunderstand the beauty and freedom of obedience. The freedom of obedience means actually being able to do what you were created to do. And although most of us haven't had the privilege of watching a shepherd and his sheepdog in action, 
There are still many places in the U.S. and around the world where shepherds roam the pastures, tending their flocks. The sheepdog is a very important part of the shepherding process, and that sheepdog finds maximum fulfillment and freedom when he does exactly what the voice of the shepherd tells him to do. The sheepdog is free when he obeys. We see love and obedience worked out in a good and healthy marriage relationship. Love is real when it seeks the good of the beloved. A husband who deeply loves his wife cares for her and wants the best for her. The wife then obediently submits to the husband's loving leadership and finds true freedom and joy. Sadly, we don't see this in too many modern marriages, do we? Often the husband is off doing his own thing. He really doesn't love his wife, and the wife refuses to submit because she doesn't sense any love coming from him. It is loving obedience that distinguishes the morality of the gospel from all other world religions. All people intuitively know right from wrong. Everyone knows good from evil. What we lack is the ability to make the right choice every time. The founders of other world religions prescribe maxims for moral living. Jesus himself is the embodiment of all purity and holiness. Therefore, what the morality of every other religion fails to do, Christ comes and does. He not only tells us what to do, but he shows us by his life the truth and goodness of his teachings, and then gives us the power to do the same by the working of his Spirit within us. It is love that gives us the power to become. God's love drives out all that is false and unholy from our hearts. When Christ comes into my heart, all that is dark, defiled, vile, and evil, he cleanses by his calm and pure presence. Love is defined in the modern world as a feeling. It is understood as a wonderful emotion that fills our whole being. Jesus says that true love is not a feeling or emotion, but an action. True love is obedience. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, some people try to prove their love for Christ by professing it through words and testimonies and singing about him. But we don't prove our love by giving glowing testimonies or singing or exuberant worship. Sometimes people sing loudly in church to cover over their inner disobedience. Some try to prove their love by long hours of service for God. They go overseas on mission trips or serve the homeless or take care of the poor and needy. Now all these good works are praiseworthy, but however good our service for God may be, it is not the proof of our love for Him. Often good deeds are done out of willful zeal rather than out of obedience to God's command. We prove our love for Christ when we do exactly what he says. The demonstration of love which God desires is the thousand and one little obediences of every day, which no one sees or knows about, but which God sees and knows about and will reward.
the truth is that my love for Jesus can't be measured by the amount of my service and work for him, by my worship, or by my good deeds. The final demonstration of love is simply to do what my master tells me to do. My child, this is the way. Walk in it in obedience to me. The wonderful thing about obedience is that obedience demonstrates love and love inspires more obedience. The more I obey, the more I will love. The more I love, the more I will obey. If I disobey, my love cools and I temporarily fall off the path of righteousness into selfishness. I must quickly get right back on the path of obedience. So as I obey more and more, God increases my love for him, and gradually his love will possess my soul. Then notice that answering love with obedience means an increase of God's presence and peace. Oh, beloved ones, what we need today more than anything else is God's presence and peace. God's love is always the first thing, but it is when I answer that love with obedience that his love increases within me and I am aware of his presence and peace. We can't make God cease to love us, but we can place ourselves away from the place where we experience his love and presence. Jude says in his epistle, keep yourselves in the love of God. What he means is since we begin the Christian life in God's love, we must keep ourselves there. Keep yourselves in such a dependent relationship with God that his love will flow unhindered through you. Take, for example, a mother's deep love for her child. Your mother will never cease to love you if she is a real mother but you may do things that put you outside of the operation of your mother's love. A rebellious son places himself away from the love of his mother. Even so, the love of God is hindered by our disobedience so that we do not experience his unchanging love. Listen to Jesus' words again. He who loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. This is an incredibly wonderful promise, beloved. Jesus will make himself manifest to me as the reward of obedience. listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Truth. 
let's continue our lesson. Now, sometimes the path of obedience is a dreary, monotonous path. We dream of doing heroic things for God, but He has us on a rather mundane path for months or years at a time. If we do our duty on the path God appoints, He promises that He will fill us with His love and presence. This is the true force of holiness. We come to the place where we say, I must obey my Lord because I want to please the heart of my lover. I cannot do this sin because it would grieve the heart of my lover. When we live this way, God's love and presence surround us like sunshine and our daily path is filled with joy and gladness in doing God's will. This is the magnificent opportunity of obedience. Every new requirement of obedience is a new opportunity for deeper communion with my Lord. Every new obedience is a step further in trust and relationship with my Savior and my God. He wants to reveal himself to me, but will not until I obey the commandments he has given me. So when you wake up tomorrow morning... Go to work at His command. Go to the office. Go into your housework. Go to school. Go into your family responsibilities out of love for Jesus Christ and in obedience to Him. And remember that obedience that is mechanical and dutiful is not obedience at all. Real obedience flows from a heart of love and devotion to Jesus. Then finally, observe the connection between believe, trust, and love. The key word, as you know, in the Gospel of John is believe. What John does in chapter 14 is to teach us the relationship between belief, love, and obedience. Sometimes we think, how can I possibly obey Christ's commandments? I'm so weak and sinful. I'm besieged with temptations. How can I actually follow and obey the Lord? The answer is believe. There's only one reason for believing in someone who's been dead for 20 centuries, and that is because he died for you. Jesus Christ the Lord loves you so much that he gave up his life in your place. What is it that fills our hearts to overflowing with love and adoration for Jesus? The fact that he died for me when I was still a rebellious sinner against him. When I was wandering off in the darkness of indifference and ignorance and disobedience, Jesus loved me to himself. Amazing love! How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Once we grasp this magnificent fact, our faith and trust in Christ will unleash a torrent of love for Him. When we believe upon Jesus Christ, we grow to love Him more and more, and the more we love Him, the more we want to obey Him. This is the order of experience. First, there is looking and believing upon Jesus as He is revealed as God in the flesh. Then this looking and believing prompts us to obey Him. 
We want to obey the one we love because he died for us. And the more we obey, the deeper our love for Jesus grows. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Now, one last thing to encourage our hearts, beloved. The older we grow, we often look at ourselves and feel we are total failures. We have made a mess of our lives. We feel as though there is not really anything worthwhile in them. This is a good thing, beloved. This is why we need the gift of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Of course we are failures. Isn't that the whole point of the Christian life, to teach us what miserable failures we are? The more we realize what wretches we are, the more the Lord has a chance to reveal himself in us. Father Sophrony, 1896-1993, was a very devout priest and one of the foremost Christians of the 20th century. He said, All the purpose of our life is that our mind and heart live God that God becomes our life. That alone is what he seeks. We were created to live his life. Now this idea scares us when we see our truly pitiful state. But we must not give up. We must not lose our belief in this. So friends, Pentecost has come. The Holy Spirit has been given to us and Jesus is telling us in John chapter 14, that Christ's commandments are himself. The law of the gospel is not like the Old Testament law. It is a person, a wonderful person, the Lord Jesus himself. Love for Jesus is the foundation of obedience to Him, and obedience to Him means an increase in God's presence and peace. Do you have the peace of Christ in your heart through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit? If you don't, beloved, the fault is yours. Surrender to Christ now. Ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit and the Father will give Him to you. Are you absolutely sure that deep down in your heart you are right with God by faith in Jesus Christ? Are you sure that your life is built on the rock of Jesus so that the world's storms and disasters can't disturb you? 
Psalm 16:8 says, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. If you're not trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have every right to be afraid. You have every right to be terrified and troubled by all the evil and turmoil around you. But as sure as two plus two equals four, if you believe upon Christ, if you love Christ, if you keep his commandments and obey him, you will not be shaken. This is the promise of God, my friends. You will have his great joy and peace in your heart this day and forevermore. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint. <laughs>